Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. This is The Breakfast Show, positively different radio in the morning and you are with Lyle and... Mon, good morning Lyle. Good morning Mon. How's it going? Going great. Good morning listeners, how are you going? Yeah, they're all going great too. Yeah, they, they said they're going great. <laughs> you you, you, you said you? you're going great. You said you said it's Monday. It's a new week. It is starting. It is going to happen, and it's going to be awesome. Except it's probably not Monday when they're hearing this, though. Oh, yeah, you forgot about that, didn't you? Yeah. <laughs> this is a delayed broadcast Duh. introduction. <laughs> what was I thinking? What were you thinking? Uh, this is a delayed uh. broadcast introduction, which means you are listening to delayed show. Which means that your morning, your your week has already been great. It's already been, yeah, it's all right. It's already kicked off. It's already been good. I could get better. It could get better by you switching over to the live show where you can yes, do the live quiz and the live giz- giveaway and stuff. <laughs> giz away. <laughs> we'll be we giving away gizzards on our giz away. <laughs> uh, so jump over to the live show. It's very easy. We tell you this every morning. Just go to TuneIn app, download that for free, uh, search for Faith FM Australia, or go to our website, faithfm.com.au press plan the live stream or better yet call us 1-800-FAITH-FM 1-800-324-843 give us a hard time we are giving you permission to give us a hard time to get the live broadcast out in your area there you go okay so coming up in today's show we're going to talk about bionic eyes very cool very cool do yeah. And we're going to be having an amazing interview with Dr. Michael Tarbiton, who so is the world premier expert on swiftlets, yes. which are small swifts, which are small birds. I wanted, to, I wanted that interview to go twice just, as long. Oh, unbelievably fascinating. I think Michael wanted it to go twice as long as well. Yeah. He's like, 15 minutes? How can I talk about <laughs> his, life's work, his life's work in 15 <laughs> yeah, minutes? Yeah. I'm like, yeah, we'll get you back again sometime. Yeah, it's very fascinating so stuff. I've got to get into Michael and get him back to talk about some more um, really interesting subjects. Just so amazing. Well, I have an interesting story about uh, a solar-powered town because we were talking about living off-grid, like a whole town living off-grid. An off-grid town? Yeah, with an interesting philanthropist behind it. So, yeah, that's a good one. Yep, that sounds like something I would like to be a part of. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, indeed, me too. And uh, we're going to be having a Bible study about unity again, of course, this time unity in faith, a unity of the Word of God. Very important, very important. And of course, our question of the day, we are taking up the subject of what does the Bible say about domestic violence? It's a very important subject that we need to discuss on air. Yes, we do. Um, The Bible says don't. Into, yeah, that's a, that's that's sneak, a short a sneak, answer. Sneak preview yeah. to what's coming up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And don't stay in a relationship if you are experiencing domestic violence and uh, and get help. Of course, a number. I'll give it again. It's one hundred respect. So yes, so much more, so much more uh, coming up in today's show. Stay tuned. Don't go anywhere. We love you guys. Thank you for joining us. Are you now when darkness seems to end?
track, guys. That was Lauren Daigle with Look Up Child here on Faith FM. And as we kick off this Monday morning, let's see if your Monday brain is working because we have a Monday quiz to get your Monday thinking juices. Someone's Monday brain ain't working. Look Daring. at you looking for a word. <laughs> <laughs> I, was going, I was on a roll there for a while. No, just trying to stretch this. A little, yeah, just, just draw a little no, bit too no. much out of the Monday. Thing. Yeah, I was talking to one of our listeners over the weekend and he was like, it's really funny, Mon. Sometimes I think you've suddenly dropped off the air and then you suddenly ta- start talking again. And I was like, I do that? It must be what I'm trying to think about <laughs> what the word I'm looking for is. Yeah, see, I never drop off the air. I just sit and go, uh, 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 um, uh, uh. And try and make okay. something up. I'm actually going to make this an easy quiz. Um, well, I want to say a moderate quiz. It, it, it's a uh, it's a what city am I quiz this morning? And the first clue is Paul rebuked Peter in this city because Peter wouldn't eat with Gentiles for fear of the Jews. And we know that's an easy one because we've been studying all about that in the last few weeks, yep, haven't the we? The whole last mm-hmm. week. If you were listening to Faith FM last week, you should know the answer to this one. Uh, um, yeah, if you think you know the answer, give us a call straight away because uh, let me see if Lyle can... Okay, Lyle definitely knows the answer. And <laughs> pretty disappointed if I didn't know the answer to that one. Yeah, yeah, but you can get a prize. Give us a call if you know the answer and um, we'll send you a prize. Uh, okay, 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 okay. I'm going to make this harder. I'm going to make this harder. Wait. This is a clue. This is a clue. No, how is giving extra clues going to make it harder, Lyle? Well, Also because you don't know the next five clues, you could be giving them away. That's all right. That's all right. No, goodness. If this is one of the next five clues, it's going to be given away anyway. All right. So, there are two cities by this name. And if you can tell us which one of the two it is, you get extra bragging rights. Okay, fine. Okay, fair enough. Extra yeah. bragging rights. Not double prizes, but extra bragging rights. Extra bragging rights if you can tell but us that is another, which That is one. a massive extra clue, Lyle, telling them that there's two cities by that name. Because there's not many cities in the Bible that have two cities. In fact, I think this is the only one. Maybe it's one of two. I'll have to think about that. You've really narrowed it down now. (laughs) Give us a call. 1-800-FAITH-FM is our number. If you want to text, that's fine. Our texting number is 0491-064-669. I don't reckon I have. I don't reckon I've narrowed it down. Of course you've narrowed it down. I reckon reckon it's it's obscure enough so that it hasn't been narrowed down. So if I have narrowed it down, then give us a call. 1-800-324-843. And let us know. Was it my clue or the clue from the quiz card that gave it away? <laughs> we want to find out from you. Okay, okay. Well, I've got some clues. Cool yes. You know how we, we like to talk about solar solar power? Yes. Yeah, yeah, Love yeah. Love solar power. Yeah, really into Except it at the that moment. It makes my electricity bill really expensive right now because I don't have it. Oh, yeah, I was going to say, what? It makes your electricity bill. Gotcha, you don't have yes. it. I thought you were in the process of installing it. Uh, no, well, I kind of looked at it, but it's very challenging when you're in the rental market. Yeah, true, true. Remember how last uh, my, week- uh, my idea was to build a uh, a ground based solar system so That's I could take right. it with me. Yep. But the um the, the the restrictions around how you go actually go about building a ground based one make it so prohibitively expensive that it's impossible to do. Oh, really? Yeah. That's a shame. Yeah. Well, I guess what we need is um a sports star. Okay. <laughs> Look at confusion on Lyle's face. Yeah. Okay, so you remember how last week we were talking about how it'd be really cool to have an entire city that was all off-grid power-wise, and all the houses were solar or, or using that new technology they have where they turn sewage waste into uh, into power, that kind of thing. There is something that they're calling the city of the future. Um, it's the first solar-powered town. It's in America. Uh, it's called Bab- Babco Ranch. Uh, it's in Florida. And it's, uh, yeah, it's being held as the first ever city that is completely powered by solar panels. And um, 
and the whole thing was built, it was envisioned by a former NFL player. Really? Yeah. Yeah. So, which is so cool. I mean, like sports stars, when they retire, they're usually just filthy rich. Um, it's a brainchild of, uh, I don't know anything about sports. So I'm really sorry. Sid Kitson, who's apparently the former NFL lineman for the Dallas Cowboys and the Green Bay Packers. So your wife will probably know who that is because the Green Bay Packers um, are from her I'm home s- state. Yep, from Wisconsin. Mm-hmm. Yep. So he was, a, he was he's an athlete and he had a big vision. Um, so he fa- actually first began development of this town. It's near Fort Myers. Um, he first transformed uh, an abandoned uh uh, it, was a, it was mining land, so he transformed this abandoned mining land uh, into an expansive solar farm, uh, which c- consisted of nearly 350,000 panels. Wow. Yeah. So, first he sticks in the solar panels, right? Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then he continues to, to develop this town um, with the aim of making it self-sustainable, uh, uh, even as it grows exponentially in size and population. So, he's thinking ahead. He's like, okay, so this goes off. We're going to need, you know, more room and more power for more people as they come in, which is mm-hmm. great thinking ahead because I feel like a lot of people miss that point. <laughs> if you look at almost any of our freeways. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, so um, so he he took the he offers residents a chance to live uh, environmentally conscientiously. Um, they they can bike to work. There's an electric shuttle bus um, that takes them to the town square. Um, so it's, it it almost sounds like a like something out of a little Disney movie or something. You know, those little quaint little towns where everything's perfect. So it almost sounds like that. And uh, and so the whole community is very much. Um, yeah, eco-conscious. Uh, the, public, the current population is still quite small. The, the town is expected to house nearly 45,000 residents uh, soon. Um, and houses only cost between, well, only cost between uh, 190,000 and um, 499,000. Okay. So it's not bad, actually. Yeah, yeah, it's not it's bad. It's like under half a mil. Like the most yeah, expensive yeah. ones are half a mil. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. And I'll show you a little picture of it here. Like, as you can see, it's really quite quaint. The houses look cute. Yeah, I'd live in that. Yeah, same. D- double story, little white sort of, uh, I don't want to say weatherboard, but it kind of looks, it has that sort of quaint cottagey look to it. But it's really, I think this is incredible for what someone could do, like a celebrity could do when they have a lot of money. You know, if you think of you know, most celebrities just buying themselves a mansion and buying six Ferraris and 20 Porsches and whatever. Yeah, that's right. Absolutely. And they have and, no idea what to do with all that money. Yeah. And so they just spend it on ridiculous stuff. And, and get, get themselves addicted to drugs and throw yeah. wild outrageous parties. This is really cool. It is. Like, I, you know, sure you hear about Something them sometimes. very positive. Yeah, sometimes you hear about them making sizable donations to charities and going on, uh, you know, mission trips to Africa and whatnot. I think this is really cool. This is like something that's going to be around for the... You know the rest of the world, mm-hmm. the world's life, creating a town and just letting people move it in and live in it. I think that's so cool. I wonder if he's going to make himself the mayor or something. <laughs> <laughs> Why not? <laughs> but yeah, it's really cool. So yeah, this is a really great idea. I'm impressed that the houses themselves, because solar panels, sure they're cool, but they often have a bit of ugliness to them when you like shove them all over a house. I have yet to see someone invent a pretty solar panel. Um, you don't think they look cool? Nah. Not too much. If I could put them out of sight, I would. Really? Yeah. I mean, I mean, I would still do them if, even if it meant they were an eyesore. But if I could place them somewhere where they couldn't be seen, I think they're nice, like, like the garbage bin in your kitchen. Bright, shiny black things on the roof. Yeah. Nah. Nah. I like that this guy has created a solar farm like next to the town, and that's how he's done it. That's yeah, but then he uses up all that good arable land. Just, I mean, I guess it's not good arable land because it's an old mine. But uh, yeah, it's an old mine. So, which is a great way to reuse old yeah. mine land. In fact, yeah. in fact, that would be great if we could consider any sort of old, old unusable land. Just you know, pop some solar panels on it. Like, yeah, why, why not? not? 
I mean, I was looking at some nice solar farms um, down in Canberra, and of course, that's a great location for solar power down there. Uh, Canberra area um, for two reasons: one, because of the cold temperature, makes the solar panels so much more efficient, mm-hmm. and it has you know longer days than some of the other parts of Australia, or more consistent days. So, but yeah, I sort of looked at these massive solar farms and thought, you know what? That's covered up a lot of good arable land right there that you could put uh, housing or sheep or something on. I don't know. Sheep is not a good option. How would you be here sitting here crocheting blankets if you did not have sheep? Very easy. My wool comes from Italy. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Moving right along. <laughs> yes. Somebody right needs along. to call in and explain to Mon how this actually works. There's this thing called you've got to have sheep if you're going to have wool. Fine. The wool sheep can stay, but the ones that get turned into meat, we all know that's not a sustainable option. There's a reason why I said sheep and not cows. Uh, people, people eat sheep, don't they? Mutton? They do. Lamb. That's yeah. sheep, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we weren't talking. Okay, fine, 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 fine. Have your wool sheep. <laughs> like, I just want to quickly tell you one more quick good news story coming out of the um, the fires that are raging in California. Um, so there's another hero story. This is this one's really cool. So I think a, there's going to be a few hero stories coming yeah, out of this. Yeah, I like this one. So um, there's a garbage man who's been doing uh, a a route through the California area that's being burnt down at the moment uh, for the past eight years. And uh, and he obviously got um, told by his boss not to go to work um, and to evacuate. And But he got out of bed and he was like, nah, because he's been doing this route for eight years. He knows where all the elderly people live. He's you know kind of made friends with them. He guts in his garbage truck and he goes and does his route and instead of picking up trash, picks up seniors. And so, and he rescued quite a few. There's a couple like, like there's a 93 year old woman, uh, Dane uh, Ray, who who was having a breakfast and was told to evacuate, and she had no way of evacuating because she didn't have any family, didn't have any friends, no one knew she was there apart from the garbage man. So garbage man came back and collected her in his big green monster truck, as she called it, and um, and yeah, and he's just saving lives, putting people in his garbage truck. Amazing story, well done, congratulations. This is Anthem Lights. Men of sorrows, what a name for the Son of God who came, ruin sinners to reclaim.
Welcome back, guys. That was Anthem Lights with the Hallelujah Medley here on Faith FM. And Mon, let's have another clue for our quiz. Nobody, nobody's called in yet. Yeah. I, I guess, I guess they're all still waking up because it is Monday morning. We have to remember that, Lyle. It is before. You know, I got to bed seven thirty earlier morning. last night than I have gone to bed all week last week. Oh, and I woke up really tired and wrecked this morning. I don't know why. Yeah, maybe it was my waffles, <laughs> and I'm shaking. There's every possibility that was that has crossed through my mind because I was eating your waffles for dinner last night. <laughs> oh, what did you put on them? Mulberries, of course. Okay. Because they they were vegan gluten free waffles. My mulberries, but they might have been too heavy to have late at night. Mm, yeah, fruit's good to have at night. Yeah, but waffles is, waffles was a pretty heavy yeah, meal to have yeah, that late. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Waffles are a breakfast food, lot, just FYI. <laughs> yeah, made a pretty good dinner, I can tell you. Okay, what city am I? This is one of the first cities where the gospel was preached to the Gentiles. Mm. There you go. What city is that? If you know the answer, you know our number, 1-800-324-843 or text us on 0491064. Six six nine with your answer, and there is a prize coming your direction. Talking about your direction, let's talk about One Direction. Oh my goodness, that was the worst dad joke ever. <laughs> Can we please fire great, a Lyle? Great segue right there. <laughs> Even our producer looked up and was like, "Oh." <laughs> <laughs> we last year when we were doing the pre-recorded show, we always used to we always used to um, see who could come up with the best segue. Oh, I see. So we're gonna, I see. Yes, so. Did, did you? I don't know if you. You heard any of the news when because One Direction is a band, right? But they split, and so there, I, there was someone made a compilation video of all the different news channels on on TV doing the same pun. One Direction is now going in many directions. It was just this one pun over and over and over again. Everyone thought they were funny. <laughs> it's Hilarious. Yeah, but see, they weren't. Yeah. I was. Nah, I'm still not sure. Go <laughs> sure. on. Okay, so Zayn Malik, who is uh, one of the One Direction singers. He's the one that pulled the plug. Yeah. Um, he has just um, st- uh, publicly stated for the first time that he is no longer a Muslim. Oh wow! So he's been a very um, interesting, controversial character as a part of the uh, the One Direction band, and, as, and as an artist in his own right, mm-hmm. um, he has um, not just stated that he's no longer Muslim. He's um, stated that he uh, it does not believe in the existence of God. In other words, um, we would define that as being atheist, atheist. Mm-hmm. or at, at the very least agnostic. And so he's been somewhat um, uh, controversial at times, you know. Wading into issues such as free Palestine kind of slogans, that kind of thing. Uh-huh. Um, he's been accused of being, you know, the boy band Jihad and uh, pimping Islam. Um, and, uh, you know, uh, there's a rapper in the United States who put out a song blaming him for 9 11. Um, he's been likened to the, ba- to the Boston Marathon bomber. Um, he's been his photo was used in connection with a story with uh, ISIS and the Huffington Post. You know, so you, you get somebody who is um, a member of a religion that is controversial at this time because of the war on terror, mm-hmm. and he sort of becomes the um, poster yeah, child for the it. The poster child for it's it. Unfair, but. A lot of Muslims, of course, have been very, very happy about the fact that, you know, he's been out there and he's been doing his thing and he's been seen as, you know, making their their faith, you know, somewhat mainstream Uh um, and less uh, seen as being, you know, the great evil thing Mm -hmm. because here we've got this great, great singer, this great artist who is uh, making the whole world happy 
and he's a Muslim, and so Muslims are real people too. Now, of course, the tables have turned. And he's denouncing it. Now that he's denouncing, you know, Islam, then, of course, you've got this situation where, okay, he might not be... Being be going to be accused of you know all of these mm-hmm. uh, terrible things in the mainstream media or other parts of or the the, the less mainstream media I guess uh, at, at times, but now he has raised the ire of certain elements within Islam. So it's it, I this guy is not gonna... this guy is not you know he's pretty much in a lose lose situation whichever yeah. direction he goes. And you know what I hate to say it, but I do feel like that is the lot for any famous Muslims. If as soon as you're famous and a Muslim, there's going to be contention because either people are going to be upset with you because they think that you're a terrorist or if you denounce it, you Muslims are going to be upset with you because you denounce their religion. You're radical Muslims. See, if there's like, it's just, it's, it's, to me it sort of speaks of the religion that you can't be left, like left in peace if you're a famous Muslim. And I do wonder whether or not Zayn's move now is going to paint a huge big target on his back. Well, if you read social media and the comments are going out on social media, then yes, it is. Yeah. Uh, a lot of very, very upset people. And so in, in many ways, it's a very gutsy move. It is. I, I it's can't a sad move because, I mean, to move away from a, a position of faith, I don't think is ever a positive thing, but it's a typical move for, you know, somebody who is uh, in, in his industry. There's not a lot of people who are, you know, devoutly religious in within his industry, sadly. I'm, I'm wondering whether or not, like, usually I'm so dubious when any celebrity makes some sort of controversial announcement. I'm like, oh, that's uh, just a publicity stunt. But this, like, I feel like it's too life-threatening to be a genuine publicity stunt. But I'm wondering why he decided he had to announce it either which way. Well, this is right. I mean, you know, in in the past he used to, um, you know, put out some religious statements, you know, every now and then, you know, just once or twice a year, Ramadan, uh, those kind of things. Mm -hmm. And now he's just like, yeah. He grew up in England, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, his father is uh, from Pakistan and his mother is um, uh, Indigenous uh, British. Okay. I wonder if they're both still Yeah, she converted, to, she converted to Islam when she married her father. Okay. His I, father. I wonder if they're still practicing. Um, we, we assume so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so it'd be sad for his parents, I guess. Um, no parents like to see their child, you know, leave the faith that they grew up with. But, you know, you sort of think about, you know, the number of, I wonder if he the did number of Christian artists who have denounced Christianity. Yeah, it's you sad. know, like Black Sabbath and that kind of thing. Uh-huh. That um, you know, just sort of cutting a little bit closer to home for us, mm-hmm. without having death threats. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and, and so this is an area in which you know, in which Islam really needs to. And, and, I, and I applaud those within all of those within Islam who are really working hard to try and turn this around and change this. Mm-hmm. But it is something where they, they they do need to seriously work on it. They've, they've got a major yeah. challenge on their hands right here. This is a culture that needs to change. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Desperately, desperately needs to change. I mean, it's it speaks I mean, volumes that the first thought that most people are going to have about Zayn now is, oh, I hope he ups his security. Yeah, indeed. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Um, I did say I was going to talk about bionic eyes. Four blind people in Australia have just received bionic eyes. Um, And so they are now able to see in grey scale with no need for a guide dog or a cane to be able to uh, move around the place. This works off uh, a camera in glasses that they wear, which is attached to a belt pack, which is attached to something on their scalp, which is attached to something in the back of the retina of their eye, which is attached to their brain. And so they can now see. That's incredible. Yes. That's incredible. And they've been doing training with these people because a lot of them haven't seen for decades. Mm-hmm. And now they're able to uh, function 
um, uh, you know, at a, at a level where they can actually, they've got one of the patients, one of the four, because this is an Australian developed um, technology. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. One, of the four, one of the four is actually, even in grayscale, able to separate the colors out in their washing. Wow. Whereas before, they could tell when it was day, they could tell when it was night, but they couldn't tell if you, if you put past a hand in front of their face. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You know, they were that blind. This is this is inc- so incredible that we're living in an age where blindness might be cured. Yeah, that's right. Isn't that amazing? By wiring things yeah. to your brain. Uh-huh, uh-huh. You know, that's just that's and, and of course there's this little unit that they place in the back of your retina, so you've still got actually got normal eyes. They haven't you know pulled your eyes yeah, out yeah. and put a little put, camera in there uh-huh. that would look kind of freaky to uh, you know walk down a street with a camera hanging out the front of your head. But totally worth it if you could see again. Oh, absolutely! Mm-hmm, I would mm-hmm. be doing it in yep. a heartbeat if it if it meant I don't that care I could how see. How much again. I look like the Terminator? I'd be definitely signing up for that. So, yes, humans are amazing, and it's amazing to see the technology that we can create in our world today. The Bible says knowledge will increase the closer we get to the return of Jesus, and may this kind of knowledge continue to increase. However, this is Ali and Leighton with Higher.
Welcome back, everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8, or 88 right across Australia. And joining us here in the studio is Dr. Michael Tarbiton, uh, a biologist. And uh, Dr. Tarbiton has uh, specialised in uh, studying swiftlets. He's going to talk to us about these amazing little birds, and particularly ones that, um, Dr. Michael, you studied up in uh, Cape York and Fiji and places like that. Now, these are an unusual bird. They're not your average kind of bird, particularly in the way that they they uh, you know catch insects and the way they where they live and breed and these kind of things, maybe you can just give us a bit of an introduction of this particular kind of bird. So you're an ornithologist. Ornithologist. There you go. I get it right. Okay. So tell us about these uh, these swiftlets and what you have learned. Okay, swiftlets, as the name indicates, are small swifts. They are distributed between the islands off South India, through Indonesia, Southeast Asia, New Guinea, which has the most species, nine species on the island of New Guinea, and then off through east, through central Pacific, as far east as Tahiti. That's where the swiftlets live. And um, whereabouts do they nest? They nest inside Caves. Okay, so this is what this is something that makes them a bit different. Um, how far down inside of a cave will they actually go to nest? I have nests in Queensland, Cape York, Chiligo, that are one kilometre from the entrance to the cave. The birds get there in about four minutes, and it takes me about three hours. <laughs> okay, so um, this is a little bit different from a swallow that sort of you know might nest in a wind-blown sandstone cave, you know, where it's all nice and sunny and all the rest. These are deep inside the cave. How do they see? Is there any light, you know, a kilometre inside of a cave? There's no light in most of those caves, 20 metres inside the entrance. They echolocate like bats do, except the frequencies are audible. We can hear the click, 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 click. Uh, but we see God's sense of humour here too. There are three species of swiftlet in the world that don't echolocate. So how do they survive? They nest near the entrance in the twilight zone. Ah, okay. Now, are there any other species of birds that echolocate like bats do and live deep inside caves? No. There's one other species that echolocates, but again, God's sense of humour. It lives in South America and it sleeps in the caves through the daytime and it echolocates outside the cave in the dark to find oil palms and it's a vegetarian instead of like the swiftless that fly all day without landing as all swifts do it flies from tree to tree in the dark Wow, that's just, that's just really remarkable. Now, with these swiftlets, you were just showing me here a photo on your computer, and uh, it's your typical, you know, photo of a, of a fossilized bird. And the one that I'm looking at right here, just giving you a bit of a, a word description of it, you 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 would think that you were looking at just you know a bird that's been squashed in the mud. It's 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 wings outstretched, um, tail behind it, and it looks exactly like uh, the swiftlets that we have flying around today. Um, how old is this this one here in the photo, supposedly? Well, they call it the Skaney Swift, and they say it's 49 million years old. And how different is it from the Swifts we have today? No different. I cannot see any different. The, they give the measurements. Uh, 
uh, where is it, uh, 9 centimetres from head to tail and a wingspan of 24, exactly the same as the swiftlets on Cape York in Australia. So why would they say it's older? I mean, why would they say it is different, I should say? Because the people who study fossils in Europe don't know about swiftlets is the only reason I can get it. <laughs> there you go. So we have the, uh, the world expert on swiftlets with us right here in the, in, in the studio. And uh, you've spent a lot of time studying these amazing creatures. Okay, from, from your study of swiftlets, what else can you tell us about them that uh, you know, just reveals to us you know, just how an amazing creature this is and, of course, the creative power of God? They, every island group I've studied them, they have a different breeding strategy. Okay. Uh, and it tells me God is not simple. Mm-hmm. He put stuff on this earth that he expected us, hoped that we would be interested in studying forever. Uh, and we think we can sort it out in a few years. And what I've learned continually reminds me there's a lot yet to learn. I'm still learning new stuff, mm-hmm. even though I've narrowed it down to swiftlets on a few islands, mm-hmm. Australia mm-hmm. being one of them. Yeah, fantastic. And uh, what makes the way that the um, Cape York swiftlets, what makes their breeding patterns unique? Okay. I was drawn to a study the Aussie swiftlet and encouraged to by... Massey University, actually, after I had done um, four months over two years of experiments on the Fijian swiftlet. And then we noticed that the Australian swiftlet only lays one egg and it lives mostly in savannah country, whereas the ones I've studied in Samoa and the Cook Islands and Fiji, they are nesting in rainforest. They all lay two eggs. Oh, sorry, the Samoan one doesn't. It lays one egg, but it breeds all year. Okay. Fijian one has a very fixed breeding season, lays two eggs. Australia, they're in savannah. Now, all the research done by European universities in Africa show that a bird that lives in savannah and rainforest will lay more eggs in savannah than it does in the rainforest, obviously, to make up for the greater number that dies during the nine or ten months of very dry climate. Um, And that fits in with David Lack from Oxford University. He was the one who developed the theory on factors regulating clutch size Mm -hmm. in birds. Now, one thing you learn in biology is if you find an exception, study it, because you'll get some insights into that. Mm -hmm. So I... was interested in stunning it. The university said, go do it. Um, so Africa and Europe, in savannah, they lay more eggs so that they can survive through the dry time. That's any species of bird that has been studied that lives in both savannah okay. and rainforest. Yep. Yeah. Yep. They lay more eggs. Mm-hmm. But in Australia, the bird's in savannah, but it, only, it lays less eggs, a clutch of one. Oh, wow. What do we learn from that? Well, I went up there and I gave them two eggs by manipulating their clutch size and I gave them two nestlings. They couldn't get enough food for to feed two nestlings. One always died, the sort of experiment I never want to repeat sure. once you've learnt that. But that fitted with what David Lack from Oxford uh, predicted 
and holds in most things around the world with mm. clutch size in birds. So I'm still running the experiment on clutch. Yeah, they could hatch two eggs. I mm. gave them two eggs. They had no trouble hatching them. But when the first egg, you know, when they hatch, they're quite naked mm-hmm. and they're quite cold-blooded. You can feel the heat going out of your hands. Mm. But And they grow very slowly. And I think God has designed this with good reason. They all live in the tropics. They all live in areas where you get cyclones. And I've got a colleague at Californian State University, Dr. Charlie Collins. He's actually put swifts in the fridge for six days. (laughs) They go into hibernation. End of six days, thaws them out. They fly away. Oh, wow. I haven't had the courage to do that, but I have found young birds hibernating swiftlets in the Cook Islands and even in Queensland on a very cold day. They were not out flying. So we go into the cave. Here they are, fast asleep on the walls. They can hibernate. So they can get through cyclones. And again, they used to be classified with swallows that you mentioned earlier. They used to be in the same family until about the 1890s. Uh, but the more we study them, the more we find there there are no similarities between the two of them. Their design is quite different when you know what to look for. And I've studied swallows in New Zealand. They rest on the average every 22 minutes. Mm-hmm. Swiftlets fly all day. Yes, there's swallows that live under my house, and and uh, I really love swallows. They're a beautiful they're a beautiful <laughs> bird, but my wife doesn't love them because they poop on the clothesline <laughs> when there's washing there. <laughs> it's not such a great thing. But um, yeah, so this is fascinating stuff. Now, um, Dr. Michael, I'm just wondering whether you could uh, comment on the, the the concept that we hear so often, you know, of uh, of the link between dinosaurs and birds. Is there any Is there any credible science behind that link? There's been a lot of fraudulent science behind that link, including stuff that National Geographic have published. (laughs) Chinese scientists wanting to make money out of fossils have very carefully put together a half-bird, half-dinosaur from East China and sold it to Americans. And then... Uh, when they got other people to look at it, they realised that was it was a hoax. <laughs> there is no good evidence, but we haven't finished talking about the special thing. True, that, that that's 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 true. Let's let's. I'm I'm getting sidetracked here. I I apologise. Yeah, the Aussie swifts. I yeah, they're naked when they're born, mm-hmm. and that part of that strategy is so that they can uh, live a long time without being fed. They only get fed twice a day. Mum and dad generally feed them on some islands up to four times a day. They'll get fed. But two to four times a day is the range I've discovered so far. So uh, it's actually an advantage for them then not to have feathers and to stay cold because they need less food. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Yeah. That's remarkable. And their feet and legs reach adult size in just 12 days. Now, why is their feet important? Because they've got to hang on up there on the roof of the cave. If they fall to the ground, cockroaches and rats and cats will get them. Never used to be cats there till humans brought them there. But so the feet are important, whereas the wings take 72 days on average to reach adult size. What kind of a nest do they make? Each species tends to make fairly different nests. Um, the ones in mainland Asia have two kinds of nests. One is just pure saliva. It's pure white nest. 
It's pure saliva and the Chinese will pay very big money for that to make bird's nest soup from. The other, the female pulls some chest feathers out and puts in there and they're called the black nest swiftlet. And the Chinese will pay money for those, but not quite as much because they've actually got to start cooking it. So the feathers float to the top and they scoop them off. I have a paper published by a Chinese chemist who says there are no... um, ingredients in bird's nest soup that Chinese, his fellow Chinese pay big money for that will enhance our health or Mm. longevity. Mm. But they believe all sorts of things about it and pay big money for it. But then we're sidetracking again. Our bird in Queensland, once they get, once that first nestling from that single egg gets feathers, mum lays a second egg. That has never been known till I discovered that in 1985. Oh, my. And what happens then? I thought that's a mistake because I was following American researchers who were doing research on swallows, and they found with having experimenters there manipulating egg and clutch size, some of the birds got so nervous they laid their egg in somebody else's nest, swallows. So I thought, oh, well, that nest up there lost its egg two days ago, so I took the egg from under that nestling and put it up there. But the next day I found an egg under another nestling in the same cave. I started thinking, is this experimenter interference or is this normal? So I thought, I'll go to, I'm going into these caves six days a week. Uh, I'll go to caves I've only ever been into once. And I looked under there and 80% of the nestlings whose tail feathers, sorry, wing feathers were longer than the tail feathers had eggs under them. I said, this is no mistake. This is something new. So I rang my PhD supervisor and he flew over. He could not believe it. It's the first time it's ever been discovered. It was the normal thing. And it's God's got it so well timed that the day, in most cases, the day after that first nestling flies from the nest and they're well programmed, they know how to echolocate out to the daylight, out of the cave, and then fly all day on their first day. All swifts do that. I put radios on common swifts in Germany and, and they go, but the common swift not only stays up all day, the pre-breeders come and take them up, up to four kilometres up and they spend the night up there. They sleep on the wing. Um, <laughs> We're still learning so many new things. And that second chick or nestling hatches the day after and the parents just go on feeding. And in a normal year, they just fit two, raising two young a year up there around Chiligo and Cape York. So they have a breeding season and within that breeding season, they have a staggered a, a, a staggered hatching so that yep. um, so they can maintain the food and and uh, and when one when 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 the day before one hatches the other one flies out yeah and feeds itself scientifically that's called sibling incubation when the BBC got my data from my first published paper on this 
They called it baby babysitting. Mm-hmm. Are there many other birds that do this sibling in- incubation? No. Our Queensland swiftlet is the only one. Oh, really? The, only, the Americans thought they would find it in quite a few birds that were under environmental pressure mm-hmm. at that time, mm-hmm. uh, but none of them did, and no one has found any others that do it. That's so it's the Australian swiftlet, which when I was doing, started the research, considered the same species as the one in the Solomon Islands, Tonga, Samoa, Vanuatu, and right um, and I, I'm quite sure that the one in Tahiti is the same, but some people like birds named after themselves. Only, I'm the only person who's actually handled live birds from all those species or subspecies. Mm-hmm. And it's a Klein. Mm-hmm. The one in inland Cape York has a broad, pure white rump. On the coast of Queensland, the rump is a two millimetres on average, narrower, go across to Vanuatu, Solomon Islands and New Caledonia. It's slightly greyer, go to Samoa, slightly greyer, Tonga, slightly greyer. Um, and then when you get east of there, you can only just see that it is a, a palish grey rump. Wow. It's a climb. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's a genetic Wow. Change, but amazing stuff. Hey, uh, Michael, um, Dr. Michael Tarbiton, we've um, we've just got a little bit of time left. Is there one last thing that you would like to share with us um, about these amazing creatures that you've been studying? Well, I've retired, but I still keep studying them. We, I went up to present a paper at the Australian Caving Conference at Chiligo, and the other caving club members came to me saying, "Mike, your birds are in trouble. Every cave we go into is full of water." <laughs> Now, I've got the rainfall for Chiligo since 1903, and this was in 2006. So for 103 years, that amount of rain that flooded those caves had happened once. But it happened then four years in a row. Some people say climate change isn't real. But what we learned in the third year... I had organised for a photographer to go in and get high-definition photos of these birds at two caves. National Parks took him into one and the caving people took him into another. And the caving people rang me the next day and said, Mike, do your birds know something we don't know? They're breeding two months early this year. And I'd been following the Bureau of Meteorology's forecasts for Cape York very closely. Every two or three days I was checking their webpage because... uh, What's going to happen to my birds mm. if they because they can't eggs can't survive underwater and parents can't get to their nestlings through water? Um, they can do many marvelous things, but they can't fly through water. So they are long range weather forecasters. forecasters. The week after they told me that the weather bureau changed their forecast from extreme dry to extreme wet for the season. The Swiftlets then knew uh, three months and one week ahead of the Bureau of Meteorology. Oh, we have so much to learn, don't we? We do. We have so much. We, we, we have an, an exhaustless amount of information on this planet that we can just delve into and learn about. Dr. Michael Tarbiton, it's been a pleasure having you on the show today. Thank you so much for joining us. This world is not my home. I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. 
the healing power of forgiveness. So if you're keen to take that first step, head to forgivetolive.org.au. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. 